Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, True Rojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. Got a very special show. We're going to talk with Ricky Ellison, former USC great, talking about uh, the USC and the state of the football program. So I want to welcome uh, Ricky on right now. Ricky, thanks so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? Good. You're welcome. Uh, so, so you're a four-year starter at USC from 78 to 82. You won a national championship. You won a couple of Rose Bowls. Happened to be the father of a, a USC player as well, an NFL player in Red Ellison. And right now you're the chairman and founder of the Missile Defense Advocacy Alliance. I'm not even sure what that is. Maybe you can kind of explain what that is. But we want to talk about the USC stuff, but maybe you can kind of explain what you're doing now. Sure. Um, I, in fact, I got my degree in international relations and a graduate program in strategic defensive studies out of USC right in the early 80s um, and was on the forefront of the strategic defense initiative launched by Governor Ronald Reagan, or excuse me, President Governor President Ronald Reagan, and got involved with missile defense before I got into the NFL with my uh, academic studies from USC. So we're an organization uh, that's worldwide, and we um, go out and uh, market and sell integrated air and missile defenses to our allies and to our nation in the protection defense against cruise missiles, ballistic missiles, that uh, are proliferating around the world today. I'm sure you mo- most notably know about Iran and North Korea, but Syria, Yemen, um, and uh, of course some of our near peers of Russia and China. So that is what uh, USC led me to, as well as my football career. Very cool. Um, yeah, so that's always kind of interesting to see that talk of football, but then, oh, Missile Defense Advocacy Alliance, that's kind of very different. Um, well-rounded, though. That's pretty cool. The uh, the main reason I wanted to have you on, Ricky, and we do thank you again for, for joining the show. Um, on October 22nd, you posted, a I think it was a 3,500-word uh, post on your Facebook page, and you followed it up with another one on November 1st, um, essentially calling for Pat Hayden to step down as the USC Athletic Director. Now, if people haven't read it, I mean, I can give a few kind of brief bullet points, but I thought maybe you, if, if you wanted to kind of summarize that and w- what kind of led you to, to, to post what you did about, about Pat Hayden? Well, I believe that our football program and the athletic department at our university has a proven uh, record of failures with our head football coaches that were, I think, there were five over a span of three years, including Clay for, for twice. That has resulted in a really um, dysfunctional uh, experience for the 200 student-athletes that play football for USC, which I was one, and certainly my son was one. And, and I feel from my heart that it is not good for the school, for the football program, the student-athletes, to have 
Pat Hayden, and as you know, Sarkeesian, to continue to go forward in that program. I believe if we have him in place, it's going to continue to hurt our football program and its ability to recruit student-athletes of high caliber, high character, that have seen this experience over the last six years and would rather go to another school than our school. I also feel that a new head coach wouldn't be secure in having uh, the track record that took place um, that we've seen uh, on six years. To me, this position is a critical position. In every major university, your athletic directors are athletic directors. They've had years and years of experience in being able to handle programs and football programs. We are now one of three that, have, that are failures. The three biggest, one of the three biggest in the country, University of Texas, University of Michigan, and USC went outside of the normal protocol of having athletic directors with experience and tried outside administrators to come in and try and run a program. And they've, they've all failed. And I think we need to step forward as a university and clean the program and move on so we can get the very best of the best at back at our school. Consequences of this magnitude that happened would not be acceptable in any other department at USC and mostly in any other business in this country that, that there would be no consequences for the failures, for the, the, the head coach hirings, for the culture of our football program that I don't see um, from a perspective as what it should be for our student-athletes. One of the, the criticisms of Hayden you talked about, I think the exact words you used were stripped out of our USC football culture, and you know, in part because of they cut off former football players from the program, something that the NCAA didn't really mandate during the sanctions. Maybe you want to talk about that point a little bit. Well, I think some of the great things of my experience at USC was the constant and free uh, relationships and contacts with former players that played for USC. I mean, those are what you're going to end up most likely as your role models when you leave the school. And having access and those traditions that are passed from player, from ex-player to current player are, are, are critical. They're key. They've always been around us. Uh, they've been on our practice field, they've been in, in the locker room, they've been in our support, we've looked up to them when, when we played there. And obviously there's been some great ones that, that also coach on the field there, passing those, those traditions of a, of a hundred year, hundred year plus program that was in place. And when I was there as a parent, when the sanctions took place, we they made the decision to, to eliminate contact from ex-players. And I've 
for two to three years that was not mandated by the NCAA, thereby isolating our team and not having that continuality of culture. I don't think there's any program in the NCAA that's ever not allowed their ex-football players to contact or be around or go to practice that what we did on a unilateral decision that was, and I still don't understand the merits of why that, that took place and what had, that had anything to do with sanctioning or preventing or, or sending some sort of message, but you virtually broke a culture that, that has been going on for two or three, three gener, you know, generations that now, um, there, there is no relationship between those players in the school. It's interesting this past week and I guess the past few weeks with Clay Helton and he was asked about this after practice today uh, on Thursday that there, you know, is, did he orchestrate bringing a bunch of players back? Like Matt Barkley was out at practice, uh, today, for example, at USC, but it seems like we've seen a lot of former players kind of coming back. Um, they seem to have lifted some of those restrictions, but I agree there wasn't. It wasn't mandated by the NCAA, so I'm not really sure why that happened to begin with. At least it seems like they're fixing it now, but during that time, I don't know why they weren't allowed players around. Right. And you can see how important it is because they're doing it now. When our program's struggling, they are bringing our players back. and We should have never, ever allowed that to happen. And, and again, a policy that came from somewhere that, that didn't have any any reason for being in there. And you, and you, again, Clay's bringing the, the ex players back in to help with the motivation, with the culture, with the pride of the school. And there's no one better to be able to, to pass that, that, that greatness of being a USC football player than the ex players. The, uh, the hire of Steve Sarkeesian was something else you, you talked about. And he obviously only lasted 18 games at USC. You, you told a story about that. You talked to someone from Washington who kind of, Gave you gave you some of the warning signs and, and maybe talk about Chris Peterson and Jack Del Rio and those guys. Maybe kind of give a little summary of what you were talking about in the post on from those guys. Well, I was definitely aware, and, and I was not the only one. I might be the only one that has spoken out loud on it, but I was definitely aware that there were character issues uh, at the University of Washington from one of the board of governors on the University of Washington's board. So when they made the decision, I did due diligence to let them know that there was going to be some issues and that they needed to stay on it and to develop and help curb those on behalf of the program and certainly the players that have to participate under that, under that situation. So that, that, that was, that was there. I'm a big, I'm, Big believer in character as your head coach. You have to have character that the players respect in order for you to be able to lead players in the right direction. And I struggle with the fact that we had a coach that had some character issues. We were aware of it. And I don't know what the course of action was during that time, but certainly when the the Troy event happened, that that had to be some sort of consequence for letting that ha- for continuing to let that sort coach because 
no no other school, no other position at USC would enable a professor or dean that was publicly drunk to be able to teach students the next day without any consequences. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just flagrant any, in, in any institution. So that, that was, that was embarrassing. And now, you know, as a parent, I mean, of a kid, you've got a diseased coach coaching your kids straight off for those next couple of weeks. And certainly we don't know how further back you can go all the way back to 18 months. But, but there doesn't seem to be any consequences or double standards for this program versus everybody else in the university. So that's, that's very frustrating. To, to understand wh why is this going on and why couldn't we have the courage to at least suspend them at that point instead of letting them to continue to coach these kids. The, uh, and then when that happened again and they didn't make a decision to do anything after the next couple of weeks, you know, that's when I, I was upset about it and, you know, certainly – Asked for consequences to happen to both of them because they they enabled a situation that was intolerable in any other working or student environment in this country. The uh, your so your original post came on uh, I think it was after the Notre Dame game, and then uh, a couple days ago you actually put another post up on Facebook after Pat Hayden announced that he was stepping down um, from the playoff committee, where you basically were saying. I mean, that's, that's a step in the right direction, but what not enough is it? Maybe you want to kind of talk about what you were saying in that, the most recent post. No, I, you know, after, and my posts were just on the, on the, on trying to protect the student athletes that, that have been not administered correctly, not having the best experience at USC, having four different, five different coaches. Trying to, and nobody's talking about them. They're, they're the ones that, that are getting the hardest part of this whole thing that should have never happened to them. So you get an LA Times article after all these posts that he, that he has 12 other jobs in addition to his athletic director job and getting, you know, half a million dollars or more for that. How, how do you, there's no, t how do you manage one of the greatest football programs in this country with 12 other jobs? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And then for him to step down on a college board, which was not one of those 12 paying jobs, and a job that, as you may know, starting this week, they have to go to an Indianapolis every Monday, leaving Sunday night to spend the entire day there doing these discussions on the playoffs been doing that for three years so how much time is that taken away from his job responsibility of the program and so it's just frustrating to, to see that that we enable this continuation of negligence on both time management and the actual bad decision making that has happened with the selection of coaches five of them and the direct impact on the 200 student athletes that haven't had the best athletic director and haven't had the best football coach at one of the best universities in this country. So that, that, that's where I'm coming from. 
The uh, well, so after the press conference, when Pat Hayden came up and and spoke to the media, it was a really big group of media when they were uh, firing Steve Sarkeesian and talking about Clay Helton coming in. Um, there was a lot of uh, criticism. I mean, we've seen you know articles like yours or in the LA Times, different articles that were criticizing the job Pat Hayden was doing as USC athletic director, and was asked very you know uh, pointedly from different uh, different reporters about his job and why he would still continue to to be the athletic director. And he defended himself by saying the you know the graduation rates were high. They had won ten national championships over his uh, the course of his career. And, you know, he, he, he owned up making the wrong decision on Steve Sarkeesian, but he talked about all the other stuff that he's done and helped the, the athletic the program, the, the athletic department with everything else besides the Steve Sarkeesian hire. At least that, that was his defense when he talked to the media after that. Well, if you look at the facts, you look at the facts. He did not talk about the graduation rate. He talked about the gra- grade point average. And I, again, pointed out what is the graduation rate of the student football players at that university that are on scholarship. And I, I was told by the NFL, the head of, uh, the development for the NFL, the number two there, Troy Vinson, that USC has one of the lowest, if not the lowest, major college graduation rate of African American males. So that, that wasn't brought up. Grade point averages are great if you want to have eligibility. This is not about getting eligibility. This is a university, not a high school. This is about graduating student athletes and students from this university. That's the rate that you want to see. And then the 10 national championships, nine of those 10 are from coaches that were hired by the previous athletic director. So again, there are things there that may look good on the outside of speaking points, but, but you go ahead and look into that, into the reality of what those speaking points were. We've got to move on. We've got to handle this problem and move forward with a new beginning and get this program right. Um, Ricky, we had some people on the message board on uscfootball.com kind of posting some questions. A lot of supporters, and there's some people that had some questions of what you were saying. You mind answering a few of their questions? or I'll try my best. All right. Uh, well, the first one's kind of – well, I don't know if it's easy, but from Troy Dock, he said, who would you like to be USC's next head coach? What was the question? Who would you like to be USC's next head coach? I, I, I don't, I don't want to have any part of that. That's not, I'm not a professional. I'm not an athletic director and I don't have any experience in picking head coaches. So I, I don't want to, uh, to play into that. I think once we get a, a competent athletic director and a good one, we can find the best possible football coach that's out there. Well, speaking of athletic director, SC is best wanted to know. Well, he said first, thanks for your honest commentary. And then who would you like to see as athletic director? I think again, we, we are one of the, you know, one of the most, one of the best schools in this country. Just like we, we go out and get the best engineering dean in the country. We've got to go out and get the very best we can get. And we gotta go out and get the best students we get. That's how, that's how you win. That's how you become champions. That's how you become world best in the nation or our university. So I, I think we've got to start with getting the very best athletic director who can now then a great football coach is gonna wanna work for a, I don't think a great football coach is gonna wanna work for Pat Hayden. They just, the track record is not there. The, the time commitment is not there. You can't move forward 
if you're working with a guy that's that's spending one thirteenth of his time on your job, and, and et cetera, et cetera, on that. So I I think we should treat the football program just as we treat the film school, the engineering department, and get the very best possible, most you know valued head person in there so we can go out and attract the very best student athletes in this country that want to play there. That's how you, you get the best talent in by having the best coaches in here and the best administrators in here, and then we can play ball. All right. Uh, E.J. Barrett said, Ryan, can you just tell uh, Ricky that Red Ellison's contributions to the successful 2011 season did not go unnoticed by many on uscfootball.com? It's not a coincidence that after Rhett left for the NFL, Lane Kiffin's program fell apart. We really missed his leadership and strong work ethic. I'd like to make sure that Ricky doesn't feel as though Rhett was unappreciated. I I definitely don't think that. I think Rhett and Matt, and there's about four of them, the four captains there really took ownership of that team. And and as you know, it was was a struggle because they all went there to play for Pete, and Pete left in the middle of the night. So they, they were there without a head coach who came in. They, they didn't sign that letter of intent to play for Lane Kiffin. They signed it to play for Pete and for U.S. I think that was – that group of men brought themselves together. They developed the core leadership and expectations to play it at a very high level with or without the coach. They were winning games. And I, and I think that was one of the greatest seasons – one of the great seasons, that's just the greatest game, but certainly no other team in USC's history has taken UCLA at the end of the season and beat them 50 to nothing. Nobody's done that in the history. And we had that one triple overtime or double overtime with all of our luck with a couple bad calls of McDonald that, that got away from them. But that was, that team could beat anybody at the end of the year. And I think a, a lot of credit goes to not only Rutt, but that core leadership and those players that galvanize themselves together. And you got to remember, this is football, and it's the guys on the field that can take the best play and, 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 and not make it happen and take the worst play and make it happen. The guys in the field, if they want to win, they're going to find a way to win no matter what the play call is. And I think that's what you saw. You, had, you saw that determination. And I think, you know, again, this is what you're seeing right now with this team that's under all this duress, fired coach, embattled athletic director. That Utah game was awesome to see this team say, screw everybody else. We're going to play. We're going to play for each other. And we're going to, we're going to make this thing work no matter what, no matter what anything's going on outside of us. We're going to win. And they are winning. They're finding a way to win without their head coach. Um, this one's a, more, a little more critical one. King of L.A., he says, do you think you're actually helping USC? There's an argument to be made that by making an awful lot of noise about Pat Hayden in USC, you're inadvertently making the head coaching job look less attractive to any candidates who might be paying attention to you. I don't think that anybody disputes that you raise valid points, but uh, before going on the crusade, did you stop to think, that you could be doing as much damage as you are doing good. Well, I've been interacting with the university during this process. And 
you know, Pac is a great fundraiser. If he's a great fundraiser, just move him aside. Step him down quietly, step him down with gracefully and move him out of that position and let him fundraise. But it's, it's unconscionable to sit and watch our university have no consequences on the actions that have happened because it's that's hurting the university far more worse than one critic outside is that he hasn't chosen to step down, that he's still spending one thirteenth of his time on that, and there's there's no relief from doing that. You know, this this is about trying to make our football program or bringing line on to make it right. It's not right. It's unhealthy. It's It's been destroyed. It's got toxicity in it. And stepping out and being quiet wouldn't, I, I don't think, from my, I can't look in the mirror. And certainly my son or his teammates, there had to be some sort of honest candor Check down. I'll, I'll say would have done this thing quietly. They should. They should have resolved the problem on their own. They still haven't resolved the problem on their own. So I know I, I'm sensitive to that, but I still believe that this kind of dialogue has to be brought out if they're not going to listen. If they're not going to. If they're not going to be conscientious about what has taken place, and, and is that is that what we want to be reflected? across the nation on the image of, of USC, I would say our image today, because of the Pat Hayden scandals, because of the of the firings and all the stuff that's happened, is worse than it was when he came in here to, to specifically help our brand and USC recover from the sanctions. We, we are worse off now than we were before. Um. Well, I'll do a couple more real quick. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your, your thoughts on all this. Rudy wanted to know, and you might have done this already, is there a desire to have a one-on-one with Pat Hayden or someone in the athletic department to try to clear the air? No, they, they, they know exactly where I stand. They, you know, they know. They, they've chosen a course of action that that's, that, that I don't see has any logic or any reason. If you can defend Pat Hayden for what he's done the last six years, somebody defend him. Logically, why he should still be in position today being that administrator. He still hasn't reduced any of his 12 jobs. He's got a failure record on his head coaches. Why is he still in the position? Why are the 200 student-athletes still suffering from his lack of time management on these kids? Can we just can we? I mean, if it's about him making money and bringing money into the school, great. Move him into a fundraising position and get him out of the athletic department and get a real search going for an athletic director, a great athletic director. And then get once you get that, then go find a head coach. But why? Why? I don't understand. And maybe somebody can help me understand why we're we're, we're enabling this to happen when this would not be allowed in any other school at USC that we would allow to have an administrator at this level be able to do what he just did and, and have 12 other jobs besides his job. Well, we got one one for you, Ricky. This is a softball, but I think it's a buddy of yours, Darren McCreevy, uh, class of 1995. He said, ask my old friend, 
What do you think? What did you think about Pete Carroll hire during his first few seasons? And would you ever want to come back to USC and coach like linebackers or something? <laughs> Pete Carroll was the savior of the program, and I think we all we all watched that first season. We struggled with the first season, but when he beat Notre Dame for the first time in what twelve or I don't know, maybe it was sixteen years, I don't know what it was. We saw that program turn. That program turned, and it was unstoppable. It was what USC football is all about, and he was a—he's a legacy. He—he—he he, he set the standard of our level that was unmatched for the years that he was there, and certainly everybody, you know, is beloved to, to Pete on what he did um, on that. And we're looking—you know—that's why I, I cannot believe that we did not offer Jack Del Rio the job. I mean that. For me, that gentleman who's now in the NFL head coaching Oakland, turning Oakland Raiders around, who've lost for seasons and seasons, he's turning them around. He's one of us. He is an SC guy with high, high character. There's no character issues with with, with Del Rio, and yet we, we, we didn't even offer him the job, and he would have taken the job. So, you know, there's something completely flawed on why – the decision to pick Sark over over Jack DeRio. And you can't tell me you're going to not wait for two months on recruiting. That, that's BS. You're USC. You can recruit You can recruit anytime you want. And look at our recruiting now. You think any legitimate kid wants to come to our school right now and their parents know that there's five different coaches in three years? You think we were able to recruit seriously against UCLA, against Oregon, against Anybody in the league, we can't do that right now because we have a dysfunctional program. And we can't do it because we got an athletic director that made all this happen. So until those cleared, we're going. And no, I'm not a football coach. I love USC. I'm not, I don't want to go back and coach. That's, I, I, that, that's for other people far better, more skilled than I am to coach. And, and there's great coaches out there. There are great coaches that need to be at our school. And we need to turn this program around. We need to get it right, clean it out, and go get the best. We're USC. We can get the best once it cleans out. Ricky Ellison. You might have known him as Ricky Gray back in the day when he played for USC. We're at number 35, another, another number 35 emerging at linebacker right now, Ricky. Uh, Cameron Smith. He's a great if- one. I, I was just, it was such an enjoyable to watch what he did in Utah. In the, you know, at the lowest point, I think of this program for a long, long time that he led within himself. And what a humble man that gentleman is. He's a leader and just, just a specimen and the ability to, to lead that team. It was spectacular to watch. Yeah. It's, um, he's, you know, he's the least heralded of the four incoming freshmen at linebacker and starting, you know, leading the team in tackles. Three interceptions in one game. It's been kind of crazy. And we had a lot of people that were saying, Hey, he should wear number 55. They not re- they didn't realize that the 35 was a linebacker number at USC until it kind of got away from that for a while. That was a, that was a long time ago. <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's been used for the, those, those very intense guys inside the middle that are fighters that play with their heart and, uh, and lead by action. Well, Ricky, really appreciate you coming on the Peristyle podcast. And we know that you're on uh, Facebook. Do you do the Twitter thing too, or not? You're not into that? No, I don't do Twitter. It just, you know, I I do Facebook just to get it off me, my chest, because it's because I get so emotional about it. 
and it means so much to me about it. I, I went to USC. The first time I saw USC was in 1968, and I was peering through those Ivy Leagues on Howard Field to take a look at O.J. Simpson when I was a little boy. And then when I was 12, I went to my first game to watch was with Lynn Swan in 1972 with Mike Ray, quarterback. And I wrote on a piece of paper at 12 years old that I would start at USC, that I would go to the beat Notre Dame, beat UCLA, go to the Rose Bowl, win a national championship, marry USC cheerleader. And I came from a foreign country in New Zealand, never played football before, was in a one-room schoolhouse in the middle of Arizona in uh, Rimrock, and I was 12. And when I was 17 years old, I started with number 35 at USC. We beat UCLA. We beat Notre Dame with Joe Montana. We went to the Rose Bowl. We won the Rose Bowl. We won the national championship. And I fell in love with my wife that was a song leader at USC. <laughs> so nobody can tell me that, that, they, that I don't love that school. Uh, and my son of that marriage it was the captain of the USC football team. I'm all in, and this is this is all about SC for me. I'm in, and you can say Pat loves that team, but I can say I love that team just as much or more, and I care about how good where this program needs to be, and it's certainly not certainly has got to get Pat out of there, and we got to move forward, and we got to bring the glory and the tradition of who we are back in back in play. Well, you got me fired up, man. I don't know I, why you got me fired up. That's all, well. Twelve years old, you made those predictions that all came true. That's pretty amazing. That's what USC does. Yeah. USC formed that to me, and once I got here, you know, all my rest of my career for the rest of my life has been stemmed from USC, from my education, my graduation at USC, and my international relations, and my charity work I do around the country with inner city youth came from USC. I am a product a very proud product of the University of Southern California, and I will fight to protect that school, and I'm fighting now because I feel Pat Hayden is harmful to the school. Great, Ricky Ellison. We thank you so much again for spending some time with us. Thanks for coming on, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. All right. Fight on. Thanks, Ricky. Everyone else, thanks for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.